was having ministers meeting, the moment I stand to the pulpit, the Lord brought a man before me, and I saw him at the age of eight. The Lord showed me things that happened to him at the age of eight. And I began to discuss his life, what happened at the age of 12 to him, the man who is the pastor of this pulpit. And the Lord told me all what he has gone through over the years. And the Lord told me about the fact that the church grew over a thousand but some people that were raised was used by the devil to destroy the church and they broke the church and I saw a wounded man who had built his life and trust on some people whom he raised a righteous man to do however not knowing that these people have their own human agenda and the Lord showed me how the people that were deceived in the church became like sheep without a shepherd. Because you know anything that is started by man for God always fails eventually. And people became victims. Some of them are coming back. Some of them are despondent all over the place. And then the Lord told me that I should see a land that he had prepared for them. And I saw a massive cathedral that God would build for that church. And the Lord told me to tell him, the man, he wasn't there, that he should not think that all what he passed through, God is blind about it. No, God saw them coming. God permitted them to be. So that his rising will not be according to the power of any man. And the Lord said he will restore the fortune. The Lord said too that when he will give them the new place they are going into, they will not be able to buy, they won't have money. But he will give it to them so that they will know he is God. You know, many of us always think that it is your savings that will make true for you. Yeah, your savings is necessary because the Bible says he that gathered money little by little make it grow. However, your little effort of saving without the blessings of God will be frustrated. So, they took the tape to him and in the evening meeting, the man showed up in the afternoon, late afternoon meeting. That, who is this man who told me about my life like this? I've never known him. I don't know him from, you know, anywhere, whether Adam or Eve. So, <laughs> so we went to his office and he said to me, look at the church building God showed you. He had designed it because the Lord had told him to design a cathedral. But where it will be, how it will be, he said he doesn't know. His intercessors pray over it all the time. And they believe in God for it. So, and I told him, I saw acres of land, several acres of land. However, when the Lord will move you to this place, you won't have money to buy it. But he will buy it for you. It's only God who can do that. So what happened to them was that two years after, they, fought, they got the building. So they bought this building for the past two years. And the whole church, together with Dr. agreed that they will not let anybody dedicate it except me. This is how the relationship of myself and Dr. Lucker began. I mean, you have been blessed by his ministry, isn't it? A number of you who were who are here then. So we went there now, last Sunday, last week, to dedicate. But let me say this to you. The property that they now bought, just by the property, is the 14 acres. 
which God showed. And in front of the property, as God described it, is standing a 10,000 10, square feet hall shut down. So when they bought this building, they have asked them now to come and buy that land and the other. <laughs> God is good, isn't it? You know, when you hear the voice of God, it settles every matter in your life. And this is where I want every one of you to be. This morning, I'll be sharing with you what you can do to get into higher dimensions with God. I've been sharing it with you, but for three days in, uh, in, in, that, in that place, I shared only one, one of what I've been discussing with you. However, how did they buy the building? Let me tell you. He was in business, Dr. Locker was in business with a Jew who has properties all over America. However, something happened and the man sued Dr. Locker for $1 million, $1.2 million. And he doesn't have the money. So while he was praying about it, the Lord told him that, go and meet him and tell him you will settle out of court. So he went to the man and said that, you know that we are friends. However, this one point something million you assume me, if you sell everything, you can't get it. Why don't you let's settle? So they settled. And then the man looked at him and said, okay. He now gave him a peanut. Less than 10% of it. He said, I won't sue you for that anymore. Just pay this. And Dr. Lekas said, okay. He pulled all his money together and paid the man for peace. That's why he did that. And then, after the man took the money and went away, the man phoned him shortly after and said that, do you know something? I don't have peace in my heart. Something is telling me in my heart that the whole property, I should give it to you. So... Doctor said to him that that something is the God of Israel and is my God. <laughs> he said, yes, yes. Because um, um, Jewish religion take Christians as their brothers. As well as Christians do take them as their brothers. So he said, Doctor, okay, how much are we pay? He gave him the money. Doctor said, but you know we don't have the money. Even the one you charged me, I didn't have. He said, don't worry. Don't worry. The man who wanted to sell the building reduced the price and he went to his bank and he stood a short tea and told the bank to give them money. You will cultivate, you will eat from the, from the, from the harvest you did not sow. That's what God says. And the others have labored, you are called to the higher rest. He said, he was looking at him and the man went to his bank, told his bank to give it to them and then, however, that complex has shops and rents are coming in from the shops to pay <laughs> hallelujah jesus he loved me too much too much too much okay that's enough <laughs> your love is great. Your love is patient. If you my heart. Then what do you see? Your love is It's only these people that are singing. You are, you are not singing. Huh? 
are you not quarry stars too? You make my life feel brand. Say to somebody, Jesus say love you too much, you. too much, you. too much, you. except. All right, if I don't stop this, we will carry on now. Let's try. See, that's how God provided for him, for them, a property they are not able to acquire and they do not have money for it. But now, let me say this. Beside the property is the real vision. And when they were told, when they got there, the owner of the other property came to them and said, Why don't you buy this from us too? It is 2.3 million. Okay? But if you are in property business or you have bought a building before, you understand that you can leverage equity to do other things. So, I went to that land because I said, this is the land I saw. This one is the entrance to the land. And I spoke to that land. And we will go to dedicate the property in that place where they build it. That's where they they will build their cathedral. It's the same Christ yesterday, today, and forever. Put your hands together for the Lord. You know, today marks the beginning of the end of our 29th year. And from tomorrow, a journey will begin in Christ's faith tabernacle when we are running down the clock of 29 years to enter into our 30th year anniversary. The Lord, about 5 a.m. today, spoke to me and showed me Christ with Tabernacle from the time we started in a, in a spectrum of reflection. And I told my son, as the Lord was speaking to me, that look at how many people we started in London. If some of you don't know this, in Southeast London, I was the first black minister, the African broad minister. In this southeast London, where two. I have a friend, he was in North London, Pastor Matthew Ashimolo. He was pastoring for, for Foursquare, and I was pastoring for Baptist. And then our members, their members, his members, came to my church for night vigil because we had vigil every Friday. And this is what brought myself and Pastor Matthew together. And then from the Baptist church, when the Lord was sent out, sent us out, he was still there. And we started CFT church eventually by divine revelation. The building that we had service, the mystery of this church you must know. We started as a fellowship. Okay? And then in my house, it was started in my house. And then, that's, I haven't been a Baptist pastor. I think next week you have magazine or week after that will tell you the story. But this is it. We were holding meeting fellowship on Wednesday, the last Wednesday in the month of February 1989. And the Holy Spirit told me at the closing of service, He showed me a street called Austin's Church. And He showed me a building called Austin's Church. The, that is the building. The church, the street is New Crossroads. The building is Austin Church. And the Lord said to me, Tell these people to meet you in this building. This Sunday, four days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He said, you will worship me there at 2 p.m. And I said to people, do you know this building? And some said, yes, we know. So you who know, describe it to us who don't know. They described it to us. 
And I said, God said, on Sunday, we are meeting there at 2 p.m. Everybody praised God. He shouted, he screamed, you know. So, we shared the information among ourselves. And I went the following day to look for the building. And it was so as I saw it in the vision. It's a, it's a high mass Anglican church. I mean, this is England. I went, looked at the telephone, phoned the pastor in charge. I went to the, to the, he said to me, come to my house. I went to his house and I told him that, you know, we were having fellowship yesterday and the Holy Spirit showed your building to me. And the man was looking at me like, he's a Caucasian man. He was looking at, you will see him in, his, in, the, in the video he was interviewed. They were showing him to you during this week. And the man said to me that, you know, what did you say? And I told him, he said, hold it, what do you want to take your coffee? I said, coffee. He went and he did coffee for me. When he finished doing the coffee, he came back and said, what did you say? Because the Bible says in the book of Malachi that the time came, visions were rare. So in the days that visions were rare, there's a young man standing before somebody older and telling him that God showed him an open vision and showed him this building. Number one, he's not a Pentecostal pastor. Who probably had an inclination about such. So he wanted to hear about this God. Of whom he is a preacher. A shepherd. And I began to share with him. I, I just came from Nigeria. You know, not too long. Some years now. Then. But you know, to me. Every, every pastor can see. Every pastor can hear God. Because the environment I was raised. You can't say you're a minister. You cannot hear God. It's impossible. It's impossible. Ministers must pray and see and hear. So I was talking to him as if he hears too. But he, he was excited about vision. Tell me. And when I finished telling him, he said, Look, young man, I believe Jesus revealed it to you. He said, In our church, we don't just come and take building like that. You will apply. And then we have one day in a month that we meet. We just met last week. So it should be next month that we will even look at your letter. Then we will let everybody go away and think about it. The following month, we will now resolve. He said, but I tell you, because I'm convinced that Jesus revealed it to you. He said, this Sunday, 12, no, 12, uh, 2 o'clock, your people will worship here. He said, we don't share our building with anybody. He said, you are the first person. We will share. He said, our building, we have icons. They are very sacred. And we don't want anybody to touch them. I said, you can guarantee it. We will not mess up your environment. He said, yes, follow me. He took me to the church, gave me the key. And he said, I will tell my committee. I have decided so. God will make way for you before the end of this year. The God of Christ with Tabernacle is the God of the Bible. I am proud and confident. I may not be able to boast of money. I don't have much. I have many. I have many monies. <laughs> yeah? If you want to calculate the money I have on earth, you will, be, you will spend the rest of your life trying to count them. They cannot be numbered. Because the money I have is not what is in my hand. The money I have is the amount that is in the hand of the maker of heaven and earth. Which he gives at the time we have a need. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I can boast that I see Jesus. I can boast that I hear God. I can boast that you are my witnesses. 
And I can boast that in the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth, they are my testifiers. I want to say to you, happy anniversary, Christ be tabernacle. We haven't changed at all. <laughs> For 30 years we have been the same. Hearing from heaven, downloading from heaven, and seeing the manifestations of God. This morning, I will just give you brief hints because we are starting a marathon in two weeks' time. While I was with you, I was sharing with you about the five pillars into supernatural. All right? And we looked at the five, summarily, but I dwelt on one of it among you for four or five weeks. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul. Number two, fear the Lord your God. You must have fear for God. Number three, you must call on God. You must uh, uh, seek God, uh, uh, return to God. All right? Call on Him and return to Him. Number four, you must seek Him with all your heart. Turn to Him or return to Him. Four, seek Him and call on His name. And five, you must have faith, undying faith in God. However, I told you that the church of God on earth have done a lot of lectures on the agape love of God. That is the love God has for humanity. The love God has for you and for me. Really, Dr. Lockhart, when I did, I, I just taught them for three days briefly. We were able to go through. Okay? Dr. Lockhart said to me, Apostle, all my life as a Christian, as a minister, I've not had anybody talk about our love for God. I said, I haven't either. Because the, the, the journey of faith of Christ is unfolding. We know about love God has for us. We boast in the love He has for us. However, we love God. That's why we are in church. You cannot come to church if you don't love God. But we recognize when God was speaking to us in this season about the love He expects from us. That God wants His people to reciprocate the love He has for them. And we found out that a number of us are far away from it. We may be full of activities, we may come to service, we may be in choir, we may be intercessors, we may be preachers. But our exuberance and false love of God for God, we have drifted away gradually. And what God is saying to the church now is this, you see, for you to fulfill the other four of the five, it is by how much of the force that you have. That is, a man who loves God in an increasing measure will fear God in an increasing measure. He will, he will turn to God all the time, seek Him and hear from Him. He will call on His name all the time and He will have faith in Him. All is, is geared down to the, to the love for God. And what God wants you and I to check in this, especially today, because we are moving into a new dispensation in a few days' time, is this. How much do you love Him? And everything you are doing for God, do they come from the heart of love for Him? Then we key into how your love for God draws everything from God. 
People fast for what they should love God for. And they never get it. But if you love God well, you will get it. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. Not by fasting. That level of operation, God wants relationship, not fasting. There's a place for fasting. Are we together now? So therefore, I will complete this lecture today by helping us to recognize the book of Psalm. Now before we go into the Psalm, let's look at what Jesus said about how we can love him. Now, know this in your heart, that if you are sitting down here today, you are here because you love God. Okay? But you know, in a family, the love of a husband to his wife and a wife to the husband is different from the love of husband to the in-laws. Yes? And the love of husband to the brothers, his own brothers... Are we together now? And the love of a man or a woman to his workmates. That's a kind of love. Especially those who help you in developing your career. You have a kind of love for them. And so, we saw in the scripture, in this scripture, especially from 1 John, it says, chapter 4, verse 20, if anyone says I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, who he has not seen. Now from that very scripture, we have an inference that God wants us to recognize our love relationship with man. And if we can recognize our love relationship with man, we'll be able to turn that towards God or measure our love for God. Through our love for man. Now, there is something God said that it's quite interesting in the scripture. It says, if you cannot love man you see, you cannot love God that you do not see. Yes? Come on now. Let's talk together. I'm going back to North Carolina. Talk to me, talk to me. (laughs) Now, so... Because God is like abstract, not tangible. So, if God is not tangible, how can I love? I want to, but how can I truly love the person that I cannot see? The one I can see, when I show love to him or her, I can see that person, you know, reciprocating that. But when it comes to someone you don't see, out of sight, Answer me, English people. Out of sight, out of mind. In Africa, they say out of love. It's the same thing, isn't it? The person you don't see all the time, it's not easy to think about him, is it? You can have reflection about him, but to be every day you're thinking about him, it's not easy. But someone you see every time, you're always mindful of him. Now, let me help you know this. That's why God said, if we can look at how we relate with man and how we respond to the love for man, we can now understand how he expects us to treat him. 
Are we together? Let me help you see something interesting further. It says, verse 21, And he has given us this command, Whoever loves God must love his brother. So in other words, you cannot love God without loving your brothers. If you see somebody who hates this, he hates that person, hates everybody, it's because he doesn't love God. He's talking about your brethren, believers. So if some, that's a test for love for God. The first one says that if you love me, you keep, you will be my command. The second one says that, you know, if you love me, you cannot hate your brother. So when you see a Christian who hates another Christian, he doesn't love God. Are we together now? That's the scriptures. To say I love you does not mean I truly love you. You agree with me? This is the basis, the bedrock of problem in matrimonies. Are we together now? Because somebody says I love you, the other one believes it, and the other one goes into that love relationship and reciprocating it, only to find out after some time that the man or the woman just doesn't love when the test for love arises. And to the extent that one walks away from it, the other one gets broken down. Some of them get mentally derailed. Because they have put themselves into that love. I will get it now. However, if anybody wants to know whether he loves God, check whether you hate any man. Any of your brethren, if you hate them, then you don't love God at all. However, how do you know that you really have a deep love for God? Let me ask you this. You had Valentine Day, uh, what, how many days ago? Friday. How many women here did not tell their husband, I love you on that day? Raise your hand. If they raise their hand, other women will say, ah, ah. <laughs> how many men didn't tell their husband, I, their, their wife? Men tell their wives, woman, wife, <laughs> I love you that day. You see, let me say something to you. If you don't tell your wife you love her that day, she will remind you. That do you know this is Valentine? Someone came to me in New Cross when I got down from the car. He said, I proposed to her on Valentine. I said, you? Proposed to who her? <laughs> he said, I proposed to her. I said, oh. You cannot say you love somebody when you do not confess it to the person. I love you, darling. Thank you. Everything that he does or she does, you respond by saying, I love you. Thank you. How many times in the past 24 hours have you said that to the Lord? How many times? He wants you to say it. Because he said as you love your brother. Turn to me so. What happens when you confess to the one you love, you love them? It strengthens your heart towards it. Same, same thing with God. As more as you tell the Lord, I love you, it strengthens your love. It strengthens your confidence. It strengthens your trust. The person you love, you trust, you have confidence. You know, the person you love, you don't deprive of anything that belongs to you. Whatever you have belongs to the person that you love. Really, you will protect that person. You will, you will fight for the person. If you love somebody and an accident is coming and you are, the, you know, towards the person, you will, not, you will forget you can be a victim. You will run to rescue the person, even if what is coming will crash you. 
Because law will move you spontaneously. So for God. Do you have such towards God? That's what God is talking about. That's what he's talking about. Love you to, to somebody you love is not according to your specification. It's according to the specification of the other party. I address myself. Let me talk to you again. I said, love between two people. Your definition of love is not according to what you think. It's according to what the other party thinks. Because it is the other party that can certify or verify that you truly love them. Am I talking to you? If a man believes in his heart, he loves his wife. If your wife says to you, you don't love me. All what you are doing, you don't love me. Then, there is something in her heart she expects to be defined as love or function of love that she's not seeing. Am I correct? Therefore, your love for God, therefore, cannot be defined by you. It has to be as defined by God in the scripture. And it says, if you love me, what? You will keep my commandments. Are we together now? Lord, don't set conditions. However, we found in these scriptures that, you know, God really wants us to check our love life with him. When you love somebody, you don't break appointment with them, do you? When you have to see them at a particular time, if you want to marry a woman and you say that, come, let's go out for a, a, a cocktail, and the first day you didn't show up, second day you didn't show up, you think the man, you, you, you will call her the third time she will come, she will just say, this is not a serious man. Is it not so, women? Aha. Uh-huh. So if you love God, you will always be in his presence. You cannot love God on Sunday and uh, midweek, they don't see you. What kind of love is that? You ask yourself, is your lover Sunday, Sunday lover? It's not. To worship God is a daily activity. The person you love, the, the, the name of that person will be in your lips every day, every hour. Sometimes you will not sleep because you love, you are thinking about the one you love. Come on now. Why am I telling you this? The reason is this. Many Christians cannot operate God. You don't understand that it is the love for God that decode God. It is not your gymnastic fasting and all this stuff that people do. You do those things and you don't truly love God. Those things become like rituals that have no meaning. There is a God who loves mankind and who wants to be loved as well. And what surpasses us about him is that we can't see our own heart, his own heart. But he can see our hearts. Are we together now? And if Satan, if Satan can cripple a Christian from loving God with, you know, dearly, he can hinder a Christian from everything that God has freely given. Struggle to get this done. Struggle to get that done. Struggle to get that Mark time in life when you are supposed to be excelling. If you love your God, He's pleased with you. He will make your enemies to be at peace with you. He will go and open door for you. If there's a problem coming for you, He will rescue you from it before the problem will come. Love God, that's what God is saying. Not at your times. Not at your times. There are some of us too, when we see others who are very curious and committed to God, we say, ah, that is brother such and such. Don't you understand? It's not so. 
Jesus says where your treasure is, let God be your treasure. We are going to 30 years now. Let me read you benefits of those who love God. I've read, read everything. Number one, God watches over those who love Him. The book of Psalm 145, verse 20. We read it every day. Number two, God will set, set you above all your companions and anoint you with oil of gladness if you love Him. And that is Psalm 45, verse 7. Number three, if you love God, you will, God will love you. That is in the book of John chapter 14, from 15 to 21. Number four, if you love God, God will give you the Holy Spirit. You find that in that John 2. If you love God, number five, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit will make their dwelling with you. And I will talk about that And then number six is anyone who loves God, God will not permit any curse to affect you. So when you see Christians saying that they are going, did somebody curse me? I'm miserable. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a Christian believing that he's under curse? Can you imagine it? But it does happen. Christians do believe it. It's either somebody is wrong. Two things may apply. Either that person is not a Christian, okay, or he is a Christian, he's ignorant. He's not cursed, but he feels like he's cursed. That is ignorance. I will gather now. Let me take you through a journey. Permit me 10 more minutes and I'll finish. I love this. Look at John chapter 14 verse 15. It says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, verse 16, and he will give you another counselor to be with you. So because you love God, that's why you receive the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Nobody is born again without the Holy Spirit inside you. It's different from being baptized with the Holy Spirit. During this our convention, if you want to go higher in God, you better cancel every assignment. Thank you, sir. you will see manifestation. Those who come will see manifestation that they will, they, will, they, will, they will have to read for the rest of your life. Christianity is not a joke. And it is not just to make you tipsy. It's not to make you feel good, man. It is encounters of the invisible God. Relationship. You dropping into the ocean of the invisible. That is what Christianity is all about. You want to get deeper in God? Don't miss any day. I have firm covenant and promise from him who sent me. The one who appeared to me over years. But you must respond. You must respond. <laughs> Let me help you know this. You have the Holy Spirit. Anybody who says Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that is by the Holy Spirit. So anybody who has said Jesus is Lord, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. And because you turn to him, that's why you have it. And that's why I said, every one of you here love God. Because if you don't love God, you'll not be here. People are where they love on Sunday morning. And Satan engaged many in London. Yesterday, they have gone to their love meeting. Today, they are in stupor. They cannot recover. The love that will kill you, you will never give in to. And now look at the next one. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because he neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be where? 
Where is Holy Ghost? Say it loud. Say it loud. Where is Holy Spirit? Now listen to me. If you love God, these are the things that He says will happen to you. Holy Spirit will be in you. Before I talk to you about that, it says in verse 19, Before long the world will not see me, but you will see me. Christians should see Jesus when you are alive. He said the world will not see him, but you will see him. You know what makes you see him? Love him with all your heart, you see him, my friend. Who will deprive himself from his lover? Have you seen a man who loves a woman on telephone and they never see? She loves him so much, they only talk by telephone. She will be eager for the day that he will see. So your love should turn into that with Jesus. How many times have you desired to see him? He said, you will see him. What are you doing with that? I can't settle for a Christianity different. Less than that, if the one who died for me said, I will see him, then I must see him. And that drives my love towards him. I don't care for wealth or money or anything, but I care for that. That Jesus says, you will see me. Aha, since I believe, have I seen him? Did I even seek to see him? Then, check your love. Because if you truly love that dimension he's talking about, you want to see him. You want to see him. Let me help you with this also, before we close. It says, on 20, on that day you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whosoever has my command and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. That's the word of God. A Christian must hate sin. Excuse me. Look at me well. Your staple diet should not be sin. What you crave for in life should not be to be rebellious against God. It should not be to be disobedient to the voice of God. Let me commit this thing. God will forgive me later. Ah, Satan got you. Maybe that is the sin that the devil will use to shipwreck the, the promises of God before your life. Joseph said, for me to do this and sin against the Lord, he fled. Recognizing that the woman could lie against him. He fled and he landed in the prison. Did his prison, did he die in this dungeon? No. He went out of his dungeon to rule a nation that he was a refugee. Come on now. There is a God in heaven who defends the cause of those who truly love him. Satan doesn't want you and I to love God deeper. So that we can be scratching the surface of the, of, of, of the, of the, of the, of the, of the ocean. And be daydreaming every day. It will cease now. Amen. I say it will cease now. Amen. You and I, by force, by fire, we will love the Lord. Amen. I say we will love him with all our hearts. Satan had enough right on earth. Listen to this. Before we leave this verse, are you aware that Jesus said, He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. There is a Jesus you must see. He is the one who died for you. Your eyes must see your maker. Your eyes must see the king of Zion. I say your eyes will see him. Your heart must turn towards him. Look, there is better for him in heaven 
Hallelujah. When you hit your bed, there are better visitors that can visit you. Their names are angels. Some of them are cherubs. Some of them are seraphs. Come on now. They come with different glory. They only go to those whose hearts are locked up with the glory of the Father. Not people who give, who give wishy-washy religion. You, you, a, Christianity is not a religion. It's a way of life. Some people say they have nightmares. Some people are saying they are praying deliverance for them. Over nightmare. Turn your heart to God. What is in your heart you dream about? Before I married my wife, I dreamed about my wife. Uh-huh. Some of you too. What are you looking at? They are looking at me as if they didn't even do the... Hey, men, uh, light of the world, the men group of Christ's tabernacle, each one of them, let me tell you, when they fell in love, their dream changed. Amen? Thank you, Pastor. You follow me to the journey. I, could, I dreamt of my wedding day. Till the Lord Jesus took me to heaven, no. You know how much? How many of you, in our days, they don't have internet? They don't have, um, what do you call this, WhatsApp? They don't have the um, YouTube? They don't, even the tube that does not you, they don't have it. So how do we communicate our love? When I met my wife, let me tell you. I took her photograph and I put it under my pillow. Amen. Amen, amen. How many of you did that? Wave your hand. Let me see you. Come on, wave your hand, my friend. I put it under my pillow. So when I sleep a little and I wake up, I look at the photograph. And I will be happy with the photograph. And I will be talking to the photograph. And she'll be hearing me wherever she is. Hallelujah, somebody. By faith. Kiss the photograph. This is my wife. Yes, Sat my mother down. Look at her. Isn't she beautiful? She must say yes. Either she likes it or not. <laughs> Hello? Show to my father. I said, we have met her. Angel, you have to see her photograph. <laughs> and the photograph I took is the one that she looks best. <laughs> Let me tell you. When my love for Jesus began, this thing happened. I, this, you know, in those days, they send us, when they send Christmas card, it's the photo of Jesus that is there, our cross. Your Christmas card today, God will deliver it. So, I took several, about six photographs of Christmas card, and I began to say, Jesus, which one are you? Are you this one? Are you this? Are you that? Are you this? I set them by my bedside, looking for who is Jesus among all of these people. They look alike, but they have dissimilarities. Different one, different one, the nose of one is different from the air of the other, and all stuff like that. And people painted this. And I started seeking God. Why can't you appear to me? I didn't even have this knowledge. Let me tell you this. Jesus says that, "Ah, what is the brain behind Apostle Williams? That's what I'm telling you. I just love Jesus. I love him so much. I love him so much. I love him to the place where he can't hit me. If love can bother people, my love should bother Jesus. 
If he can weary people, my love should weary him. Though for him, he's the ocean of love. No matter how much love you give him, it's just a little bit. When he enters into his ocean, and he loves those who love him. He said, my father will love those who love me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. The final thing in that scripture is that I am in my father and you in me and I am in you. So, all of us who love him here now, from the day you are born again, you are in Jesus. Jesus is in the father. Somebody say amen. amen. And then Jesus and the father, they are inside you. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, let me tell you something. A person who is the most wicked man in England, he came into this service. He said, Jesus, I'm sorry for all my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Please forgive me my sin. Jesus will enter that person because he confessed that. That's it. When that person goes out, all the demons of witchcraft that was in him who were waiting outside, when they see him come out, and they will intend, well, where you go in, you come out, we go again. The moment the person comes out, they run from him. Why? Because inside that man is something that was not there before. His name is called the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He dwells in mortal man. A man who came out empty shell, bamboozed by the devil, oppressed by demons, came back out. And the demons saw him and they saw their creator inside him. They run away from him. They run away from him. Now, Christians who are like that, can you imagine they fear demons? You that demons run away from, who taught you to fear them? The devil. How can the devil make you a slave again? It's by lying to you so that you will come under him. And if you submit yourself to fear, Satan rules. Remember when I was teaching you about fear, faith, and, and belief? I said fear is the gateway of evil spirit to oppress man. Faith is the gateway for God to enter man. Both are gateways of entry. Are we together now? So this scripture tells me that a born again, Jesus is in him, the Father is in him. So tell me what demons are in him. Finally, no one can curse a person that is born of God. Look at Deuteronomy 5. Deuteronomy 5. And we'll carry on in the week. Deuteronomy 5, sorry, Deuteronomy 23 verse 5. However, the Lord your God will not listen to Balaam. He turned the curse into a blessing for you. Because the Lord your God does what? Because God... Shall we read that scripture together, please, church? However... The Lord your God will not listen to Balaam. But turned the curse into a blessing for you. Who does God love? Me. Say it again. Me. Say it again. Me. He loves you. I want to tell you that your God loves you. That is why I'm alive. To tell people how much he loves them. So that you can respond back to him. Instead of loving all these things that is chasing, making man crazy, and frustrating human life. You turn your love towards God. You have nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. This is the crown of it. Now... This scripture helped me know this is Balaam. Who is Balaam? And who is... Why did God turn the blessings, the curses into blessings? Look at Numbers 22. Very quickly. Numbers 22. Because we'll carry on 
I have seven days to teach you. So I want to reserve my energy. Amen. Are we doing fine today? I can't hear you. You better speak. Let's look at this quickly. It says, verse 2. Now, Balak son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to Amorites. And Moab was terrified because there were no many people. And there were so many people. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread because of Israelites. The Moabites said to the elders of Midian, This horde is going to lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. So, Balak son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Boah, who was a Pethel, which is a, that's a witch doctor, near the river in his native land. Balak said, a people has come out of Egypt from, and they cover the face of the land and have settled next to, to me. All right? Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I'll be able to defeat them and drive them out of the country. For I know that those whom you bless are blessed and those whom you curse are cursed. There is a voodoo man so highly powerful. Verse 7 says, The elders of Moab and Midian left, left, taking with them the fee of divination. You see, divination means witchcraft. That tells you that the prophet Balaam was a witch doctor. When they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak has said. All right? Now go to chapter 23. After they told him to come and curse Israel. Chapter 23 says, from verse 1, Balaam said, build me an altar. Seven, build me seven altars here and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. Balak did as Balaam said, and the two of them offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, stay here beside your altar. Your enemy will be returned to his altar. That is where they belong to. The other of them. Say you stay before your altar. You are the one who brought it. Stay. However, look at what followed. He said, perhaps the Lord will come to meet me. Whatever he reveals to me, I will tell you. Then he went off to a barren height to curse Israel. God met him, met with him. And Balaam said, I have prepared seven altars and each altar have offered a bull and ram. Now verse 5 says, what did he say? If, it is, this is, if this is where the Bible stopped, we can conclude that whenever anybody makes up their mind to curse a child of God, God changes the message. Your curse is not in the mouth of a man. I hate it when they tell Christians that they are cursed. That's why I go to those people that said they curse people. And they can't do nothing. 
I took some of you to them and I begged them to curse you. They couldn't in Sinijebulan. All their warlords, all the heads of court were standing. I said, I had you people curse here. Go on. They should get that tip and play to all of you. I said, curse my people. If they burn you well, none of them was born well. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because only those who are born well are those who are born again. They were shaking like leaves. Ministers, I say, ha. There are two ministers. Those ones who are saying, ha. They do not have love for God. They are professionals. They minister just for livelihood. Hello. I minister for the living God. I cannot understand how a person can say, I represent God and he cannot hear what the God is saying to the people. I cannot. If he appeared to me, if he cannot reveal to me, I should resign. I should resign. Isn't it? At least my people should know what their God is saying. If I say that God says something and it did not happen, what am I standing there for representing the God I spoke about and he cannot do what I say? Something must be wrong. Either I chose a wrong career. Listen to me. My Bible tells me, when Balaam was told to curse Israel, God changed the tape of his mouth. So who told you they curse you? Who cursed you? Either you are not born again and then you can be cursed. Or if you are born again, it's impossible for any man to curse you. It is impossible. If you feel like cursed in your brain, it's because you have been brainwashed to believe a lie. Brainwashed to believe a lie. I have many evidences among you in, in England. We went to the witches in, in Defensor and Congo. They could do nothing. White witches, they call themselves. I, we closed down all their... All their uh, not by the street. We went physically. That's what began this story. We went to Nigeria. Did crusade in Ijebuna. There is a man who they will show you next week. Who is the head of all the courts in, in, in Kenya. They interviewed him. When I was told that they are messing up the churches, I, called, I, 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 I asked to see them. Not spiritually. We went to their den. He surrendered to the Lord. The guy, when I came down from my vehicle, he knelt on the floor on the third road with his hands like this. This is the one who had terrorized all churches for years. He terrorized them for years because they did not understand the word of their living God. They traded their, their, their position for, for lies of the devil. They were afraid to enter a place that they call forbidden forest. Who forbid it? How can a man forbid a forest when the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof? I entered into the forbidden forest. I told them, tell your, the head of court, I want to meet him in their forbidden forest where their devil is. When they were told, they said, either the man is mad or he knows what he's doing. I am not mad. I only believe in the living God. Because anywhere I go, my lover will go with me. Hallelujah, somebody. Jesus is everywhere that you are. He goes with you everywhere that you are. If a person curses you, that shall not be for you. Hello. So this man, Balaam, what tape did God give him? You will read it and then we pray. Read from verse 7, let us read together. Shall we stand up on our feet now, please? Shall we read verse 7 together? This is the oracle that God gave unto Balaam for you, for you and I. And then say, Balaam said, Balaam uttered this oracle. Yeah. 
Stop. Can you see the story? It is Balaam talking. He said, they brought the matter of a man to me in the forest. They told me to come and curse this man. But his name is Alfred Williams. Mm. And you too. You are the Israel of God. So now, let's see the curse. The next verse, what did he say? How can I? Uh-huh. Read it again. Uh-huh. One more time. Do you agree with me that any minister under heaven that say contrary is possessed with the spirit of Antichrist? God, the man who is the most... Balaam was described to be the highest powerful account that ever lived among mankind. It's like Job. Job gave birth to the most beautiful daughter any human being can ever imagine to born. Before him, at that time, nobody is as beautiful as his daughters. God gave him landmark. Same thing, Balaam. He is the highest power in the occult. And he said, it is impossible for me to curse anybody that God had not cursed. Who are the people God had not cursed? You and I. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. I say we are blessed. I say we are blessed. See after me. I am blessed of the Lord. I cannot be cursed. I am blessed of the Lord. It cannot be revoked. This is the word of living God. If you love God, Jesus says, as you love me, my father and I will love you. God loves you more than you ever loved him. And because of that, one of the fringe benefits is that you cannot be cursed. Oh my, oh my, oh my. This is a confused cursor. Balaam, which doctor? A confused man. He now began to bless them. Who can count the dust of Christ with tabernacle. Or number the fourth part of CFT church. Let them, let me die there. there. Your enemy will wish to die like you. This is the scripture. Before I pray with you. Look at verse 11. After this man blessed Israel. Shall we read verse 11 together? Balak said to Balaam. Hello, your enemy will bless you. I say, I say, your enemy will bless you. If they open their mouth and what they are saying is a curse, what will register against you in the spiritual is blessing. It is impossible for anyone to curse a Christian if they put juju on the ground, match it. That juju will not catch you. If they give you, hit you with ring, that talisman will not work for you. Because you are born of God, you don't need to pray about it. It is your right in God. Don't be deceived. Don't let anyone deceive you. If, you, if anybody here on television knows that there's somebody who can curse, come. Let's do it publicly. Come and curse me. If they burn you well. Or come to my church and curse somebody. You will see. <laughs> I will need to pray for you. Look at what it says in verse 12. Shall we read verse 12 together? He answered. 
Say it again. The one they employ to curse you, it will speak what God put in his mouth. Whether they curse you in the water, in the river, in the ocean, whether they curse you in the forest, in the mountain, in the desert, I say God will change the tape of their mouth. God will not permit the curse of Balaam to happen to Israel because the Lord loves Israel. Because the Lord your God loves you. He turns every curse into a blessing for you. Lift up your voice and give him worship. Father, we exalt and magnify your holy name. Lift up your voice and worship the King of Heaven. Tell the Lord, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Help me to love you more. I love you, Jesus. Help me to love you more. We will save you another kingdom through the love of Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Teach me, Lord, more to love you. Tell the Lord, teach me to love you more and 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 more. The Father loves those who love the Son. The Father loves those who love the Son. The Father loves those who love the Son. Tell the Lord to teach you more and more about His love. Oh Lord, help me to love you. Some people love God because of what God will do for them. That is not us. We love God because He is God. Whether He does or He does not do, we love Him. 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 Lift up your voice and worship King of Heaven. Lift up your voice and worship him. Lift up your voice and worship him. Lift up your voice and thank God. Thank God for his love for you. Thank God for his love for you. God loves you. You have a destiny. It is it is different from what you are right now. He says, I know my plan towards you, says the Lord. Plans to bless you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and bring you to an expected end. You are entering an expected end. Satan has no power over anyone born of God. He has no power over you because you are born of God. If you are asking God for anything that you have not received, you are entering a week of fulfillment and manifestation. Nothing shall be withdrawn from you. Oh Lord, we bless your holy name. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' anointed name we are praying. Jesus, he loved me 